What's up, CBS Sexies? You're listening to the Psychology Channel, and today we are going to be talking about your favorite profilers from Criminal Minds. We are here to talk about human nature. It's on and popping up in here, you feel? Reels up in 30 minutes. You are my queen. I don't know what else I can say. That's the thing. You need to be called to be queen. She's crazy and she needs to go down. I'm unstoppable! Fuck! Son of a bitch. This is so boring! I think that we've had quite enough of you today. Go on. You got it, Joe. <laughs> so awful oh god so like eden said we are going to be talking about criminal minds so this is hopefully going to be a recurring episode format on our show yes it definitely will be (laughs) this is so much fun to do Well, let me read you the background or give you the background on Criminal Minds if you have or have not watched it. Um, It is a CBS show that aired from 2005 to that to I can't say 2020. That just sounds stupid. So 2005 to 2020. There are 15 seasons and 324 episodes. So, so get ready for 324 versions of this kind of episode, baby. Yeah, for real. Let's we have fucking go. Infinite content. Hell yeah. Never have a hiatus ever again. Yeah, for real. Become a Criminal Minds podcast. Yeah, honestly. I like Criminal Minds a lot. Me too. We, we've think, been watching the show since yeah. we were, like, young. Like, way too young to be watching it, to yeah. be honest, because there are certain episodes to this day that, like, if I watch them, I get, like, vivid flashbacks of, like, where I was when I first watched it and, like, how freaking terrified it made me. Yep. I mean, it's literally, like, with 324 episodes about murderers, like, there's a murderer for every kind of situation, so no That's one true. is safe, essentially. No one, absolutely no one is safe. Like, the murderers, we were kind of talking about this, the murderers do kind of, like, fall into different <laughs> categories, but they're all different still. Like, what it... <laughs> Do you want to go over those categories? Let's. There's five categories. Okay, yeah. So there's the female murderer, which is, like, Ooh, rare. (laughs) And And then there's a couple different types of male murderers. The first type being the sexy murderer, which is just this hot guy doing terrible things. (laughs) Yeah. And then there's the opposite of that, which is like the absolutely decrepit, like gross looking murderer. And then there's the quote-unquote like sympathetic murderer like whether that be they're sympathetic because they have some type of mental health issue or trauma or something backstory Backstory. yeah and then occasionally there are child murderers not as in people who kill children as in children who kill (laughs) yeah (laughs) those are like i think that's all the types that i can think of Oh, I think you branched but. the the women murderers into like sexy women murderers and also like That's the true. crusty dusty like old not That's sexy true. women. That's true. It's basically one or the other. It's either like 
sexy, like, femme fatale type mm-hmm. lady or, like, totally batshit, like, <laughs> scary, like, mom or something. Yeah. <laughs> but the episode we watched featured a sexy murderer specifically made to scare horny housewives. I'm positive. <laughs> horny single moms. Yep. I mean- Beware. The first, like, literally the first 30 seconds of the episode is, like, it's, like, red, uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I'm not a filmographer, (laughs) but, like, the the screen is, like, red, and he's, like, gently brushing his finger. It's, like, a a close-up shot. Uh Uh-huh, and there's, like, some love song kind of playing in the background, and then she looks like she's, like, having a little bit of bliss, and then it cuts back, and she's, like, taped up. He's, like, (laughs) he's drawing a little circle over her heart. And then it cuts to uh, the BAU talking about how there's a group of, or there's a serial killer who is chiseling out women's hearts. The amount of times that the opening little scene before the intro tries to trick the audience into thinking that like, oh, that guy's going to be the murderer, but it's just the husband or like they're having sex, but no, wait, they're not. He's murdering her. Or like you think that someone's getting murdered, but then they're just having sex. Like like, every time they get you every time. So we picked a completely random episode. We put how many episodes did you say there are total? Like 300 and 324. So we used a random number generator and we came up with, or not us, the random number generator came up with a number 47, which is episode or season three, episode two called in name and blood. Ooh, spooky. I will give a short synopsis about what happens in the show. So essentially yeah. the la- the format of our episode is I'm going to give a brief overview of the episode as well as like some of the spicy drama that happens like like the overarching plot like with the team with the BAU. Yeah. Got to review, got to review the team drama. Exactly. And then Eden will give background information on like what the BAU actually does and like anytime they drop some like psychological term <laughs> they love <laughs> I'm fact checking I am fact checking they this show loves to term drop and oh, yeah. honestly like it's not necessarily always a bad thing because I think about it and I think that the reason I got so into true crime when I was younger is because of criminal minds because they'll like they will drop the names of real life cases and stuff like that. Yeah. So my me as a child would be like, oh, what is that? And I'd be like, go like look yeah. it up afterward. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna fact check all the terms that they drop in this episode. <sighs> but first, we must talk about the team drama. What's going on with the BAU, the behavioral analysis unit? at Quantico this episode. Okay, so this this episode that got randomly generated from our random number generator was surprisingly very spicy in terms mm-hmm. of team drama. There was like each episode usually has like a tiny amount of like overarching plot. Mm-hmm. They're usually very uh I forget what the word is, but like very like isolated one, episodes. Yeah, one off like per episode. Yeah. But I feel like one, usually like, each episode kind of focuses on, like, one different member of the team. Yeah. And, like, what's kind of going on in their life and how that relates to the case they're working. But this one is definitely part of an arc. 
<laughs> yes. Part of it, we just like stepped into the end of an arc that, I mean, we've watched the, we'd, we've watched yeah. background on that. We've watched a lot of the show before. So it's not like. It's not, it was not completely disorienting. So the, yeah. the current team in season three, episode two, which is the one we watched, consists of Gideon, who's like the leader of the team. So Gideon's like the oldest, like most experienced member of the team. And then Hotch is like the official leader of the team. And then we have Derek Morgan, who's the hottie of the team. He's the brain. He's the beauty and the brawn. Very true. And the the love of Penelope Garcia. Yes. (laughs) Spencer Reed is the brains of the team. Emily Prentice, who's... She's kind of a newbie at this point, right? Yeah. She's like kind of new, but she's like a solid, solid character. Like she... She's, she's like really smart too. Doesn't she speak brains. like a bunch of languages? And yeah. like, she's pretty badass. And then we have JJ, who the I don't liaison. The liaison. There we she's go. She's the liaison. She's their media. Media. She like liaisons between the team and the media, and the team and like the grieving families and stuff like that. Yeah. And then we also have Garcia, Penelope Ugh. Garcia, who's Love. our tech wizard who just. She's also the comedic relief of the show. Love because her. Because she and Derek Morgan have a wonderful, beautiful, <laughs> loving relationship. And then, what is it? FBI Section Chief Strauss is also yes. in this episode. And that's one of the funniest moments when she calls Garcia and Garcia talk says, dirty talk to dirty to me. <laughs> <laughs> and Strauss is like, this is FBI Section Team Leader Strauss. Yeah. <laughs> And then Hodge calls Garcia later and she's like, FBI technical analyst Penelope <laughs> Garcia. Because, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, there's a there's some, like, um, uncomfortable things that Penelope says. That Garcia there really says. is. I, I remember there's, like, an episode, I don't remember what episode it is, but where the team has to do, like, some kind of mandatory, like... Sexual harassment sexual training. Sexual harassment training specifically because of Morgan and Garcia and everyone's just, like, looking at them sideways the entire episode. Well, because Morgan freaking calls her and he's just like... Give it to me, baby girl. And it's like, like, she called him chocolate thunder. I was like, she always does that. I know it's, it's, it's cringy and kind of funny, but (laughs) it makes for funny, awkward moments when there's people like local law enforcement or people that don't even understand why this is happening. They're like, this is the FBI, right? Like, right. (laughs) (laughs) I do have to point out since we were talking about Garcia that the one thing that I will not be fact checking is any technical jargon that Garcia talks about because oh, yeah. I don't know jack diddly shit about this that is the psychology channel, yeah. not the technology channel. Yeah. Just put it out there. I will not be fact checking any of Garcia's bullshit because I don't understand any of it. She just click, click, clicks away on her computer and basically solves the case every single fucking time. Yep. Es- essentially, I mean, essentially, like without her, they would be lost. At least 80% of the episodes. Yeah. Like Garcia is the one that finds like who the actual suspect is. For those of you who don't watch Criminal Minds, every episode of Criminal Minds, they start with a quote from a famous person. Right. And they also end the show with a quote from a famous person, usually. Yeah. So the quote that was said, George Washington said, let your heart feel for the affliction and distress of everyone. Oh, I get it. Because the killer's ripping people's hearts out. Yep. That's some ingenious That's writing. 
that is pretty solid. solid. I would give that a 10 out of 10 because it just like so obviously relates to the case that like, you gotta, you know. Gideon says that quote, and then we continue on with more spicy drama. (laughs) So at the start of the episode, Reed is found sleeping in one of the FBI offices and JJ's like, what are you doing here? He's like, Gideon never showed up. Um, We were supposed to play chess. It's like, of course you were Reed, you uh, yeah, fucking nerd. Anyway, um, <laughs> we love Reed. Reed is probably my favorite character. I love, I love. Gideon did not show up to play chess, chess with Reed. Gideon didn't show up to play chess. And so essentially they're a man down. They're a teammate down. Hotch is on leave for two weeks and he's about to put in his resignation from the BAU behavioral analysis unit of the FBI, the federal bureau of investigation. (laughs) (laughs) So Hodge is about to put in his, his resignation to section leader Strauss. And then while he is doing that, Prentice walks in and (laughs) gives her resignation. So in like, it's like five minutes in and they're like, Three people down. Literally and- everyone's going on strike for some goddamn yeah. <laughs> It gets spicy. Uh, essentially, the section leader, she takes Hotch's place for the case but while she's like trying to find somebody. And she's never been to a crime scene before. So it's a little uh, terrible. Do you remember I- where the case takes place? Because that's the other thing. They go all over the country, but they're 10 out of 10 filming in Los Angeles every single time. Yep. Yep. Um, it was in Milwaukee. Okay. I Wisconsin? Is that in where Mil- Milwaukee? In, in Milwaukee, Los Angeles, California. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, there's like an episode that I, I don't remember what episode. This is a non sequitur. But I was like, I recognize that place. And then it's literally the park across the street from my house. I've stood where Spencer Reed yes. has stood. Blessing and the curse of living in Los Angeles. You watch TV that's like this is in New Orleans. You're like, nope, that is downtown LA, but okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's set, it's supposed to be set in Milwaukee. Oh, right, because they reference Dahmer. Yeah. Okay, I'll get to that later. <laughs> so they're in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That's where this guy is ripping women's hearts out. Yeah, he's literally taking a chisel to the breastbone of these women. And and they That's do mention like. that part. Yeah. Uh, Derek was like, this guy works with his hands because it, it takes a lot of strength to oh, break yeah. through the breastbone. I'm like, I mean, that's true. Yeah, that shit's, that's just bone right there. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Juliet, Juliet did it in Romeo and Juliet. So oh, it yeah. can be done. Damn. But- Is that Shakespeare telling us that Juliet was fucking yoked? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So, yes, this guy was, he was abducting, like, single mom. Well, no, they weren't single moms. They were just moms. And it was, like, outside of school hours. So, like, after the school bell rang, he would pick them up. And then in the mornings before school started, he would, like, dispose of their bodies 48 hours after they'd been abducted. Right. So, eventually, the the BAU realizes that he has some relation to the school. They're like, okay, we can narrow down on school people. And then they realize, they're like, huh, what if we look at children? Like, what if he's, like, a parent of a child? And so, they start looking at dads of students. They find video evidence of this one lady being abducted. And this mm-hmm. child is talking to her. And then leads mm-hmm. her off into the back storage room. And they're like, oh, shh. 
shit. We gotta deliver the profile. <laughs> we gotta deliver the profile of a child. <laughs> oh no, this child's abducting these full-grown women. Yeah. What? And chiseling through their breasts. <laughs> is that is that boss baby? <laughs> No, I can't be. He's not wearing a suit. Oh, back to square one. (laughs) Okay, well, let me talk a little bit about the profile that they deliver because that is where they drop so many terms. The Criminal Minds writers love to just throw in so many freaking terms. So in the profile that they deliver, so every episode, as you know, if you watch Criminal Minds, They go to aid local law enforcement and they deliver a profile of the killer, theoretically based on the crimes, what this killer would be like. And the main thing that they, the main term they drop in the profile is Morgan says that if this guy is willing to use his own kid to aid in abducting women, that that means that he probably has what they like to call borderline personality <laughs> disorder. He literally says what we like to call. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like what psychology likes to call? Like <laughs> what you like you invented this term? Yeah. And they say about borderline personality disorder in the show, they say, they think that all relationships revolve entirely around them. And when they set their mind to do something, absolutely. There is no gray area. <laughs> they say that it man, it, that, borderline manifests in a way that would be noticeable to people around the person that has borderline and that they would have bouts of anger, depression, binge drinking, and that they would be highly sensitive to rejection. None of that is like necessarily incorrect, but it's also not necessarily correct. (laughs) (laughs) Just add description, Derek Morgan. (laughs) Yeah. uh, The whole like, Oh, if he's willing to use his kid to abduct women, then he must have borderline personality disorder. That makes no fucking sense at all. He's just resourceful. I can think of other killers who have like used their children or like the fact that they have children to disarm their victims. And that does not necessarily mean that they have borderline personality disorder. It just means that they're a shitty fucking person. (laughs) But borderline personality disorder is it's characterized by pervasive pattern of instability in interpersonal relationships and self-image causes significant impairment in establishing and maintaining personal relationships so like they kind of get it right with like the oh they take rejection really hard but that's not necessarily true of everybody but it is a disorder that causes like interpersonal relationships to be very difficult. There's usually intense fluctuations in mood, which is observable by family members and close friends. So they kind of got that right too. Like most of the time, the people who are close with someone who has BPD would be able to notice that their mood swings are not average. Um, And they do often engage in impulsive behavior like self-harm or drinking, drug use, stuff like that. Or killing people. I think actually, though, most of the time it is more self... Self-sabotage. Self-sabotage rather okay. than... I mean, it's a personality disorder that's egocentric, which means that most most of the time people who have that disorder don't see it as a negative necessarily or don't even realize that they have it because it 
just like it aligns with the instincts and ideas that they have as a person. So it doesn't necessarily cause them distress the way that someone who's like schizophrenic is like, whoa, I'm hallucinating or something like that. If that makes sense. That's, it's kind of a complicated term, but yeah, the, the impulsive behaviors can include sexual promiscuity and drug use, like during high stress periods. And they tend to have like short and really intense relationships People with BPD do actually occasionally have hallucinations or delusions. So like this killer in the show might kind of be having delusions. I mean, he's technically, he's definitely delusional because he thinks that these women are going to like fill this mother role to his child. And backstory on that. I don't think we gave that preface. So the killer's wife left him, I think like four months previous. Right to like the setting of the episode because the killer was diagnosed with some like untreatable illness. Cancer, right? Terminal illness or something. Yeah. And so he, she left him and his son. And that's why I think the borderline personality disorder is unfair because he's like, he He was a terminal illness and his wife just left him. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, you mentioned, you mentioned a fear of abandonment and it's like, he was literally Mm -hmm. abandoned. It also doesn't really track either in my opinion, because if it seems like he was in a stable long-term relationship before his wife left him because of the terminal illness. And it's like, you don't just suddenly get borderline personality disorder after your wife leaves you. That's just not how that works. But another interesting thing, it's kind of non sequitur, but borderline personality disorder is one of the few personality disorders that currently has the most available treatment. So like really extensive dialectical behavioral therapy, which is like a mix of cognitive behavioral therapy, and then also draws on some principles from Zen Buddhism. So for people who are aware that they have personality disorder, there are treatments out there currently that are being constantly worked on. And they're usually extremely intensive forms of therapy in which you have one-on-one with a therapist. And then you also have group therapy in like a group setting as well. So there is treatment out there. I don't think it's fair of the show to just be like, this killer has borderline personality disorder because he's ripping people's hearts out and using his son to draw women. I'm like, no, like, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, okay, not everyone with this disorder is a freaking murderer. And yeah. I don't want people to think that. But yeah, that's my tidbit about that. The other thing that they mentioned in the profile that you mentioned briefly too, uh, as to how they find the killer in this episode is they start looking at kids and they kind of have, they put like a first description out there to counselors of what a quote-unquote troubled kid yeah is what a troubled kid looks like and I wanted to ask you about your opinion of that the BAU they go around to schools and deliver like a profile of a quote-unquote troubled kid to all the school counselors which I think that's kind of demeaning because if you're a school counselor like shouldn't you already know (laughs) Yeah, I know what signs to look out for if a kid is having trouble. But they say that what that it's like bursts of anger, being like weirdly attached and affectionate to teachers, especially female teachers. I think that's part of the second one. Okay, yeah, they give like they give two different ones. Yeah, like one's like very aggressive. Yeah. And, and the second one is, is like, oh, wait, no, he's like a model student because he's making up for the like chaos in his home life. So he's like trying to be as good as he can because he's a people mm-hmm. pleaser. 
So that's kind of what they were looking for in the second go around once they realized, oh, shoot. They didn't get a match or whatever. Yeah. Like, they didn't find anyone. I wanted yeah. to ask your opinion on that as somebody who works with kids and has studied child psychology and stuff like what you thought of their descriptions of that like if you think it's accurate if you think it's not what's your opinion on that I mean I think I think like both of those could be accurate like descriptions of a kid with troubles because like this kid was just like recently abandoned by his mother Mm -hmm. so like that is a huge tumultuous state for eight like I think he's like nine yeah, I'm pretty sure he's like a nine-year-old kid. Yeah, that's huge. So he's like he could he could be acting out like one day and then like being model student the next day. So it's just like if that's a kid by kid basis, especially if his like home relationship was stable before. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't like a bad relationship with his parents before mm-hmm. his mom left, then he might have better coping skills. But also it might be because he never really had issues. He might not have the skills to cope with something so tremendous as his mom leaving him. Mm-hmm. So I feel like y- you you couldn't profile a kid based on like the little information that they had. Right. So this because- is like not, in your opinion, as a person as an educator this is not it's not solid they would not have <laughs> found no. anything from this like they, i think the reason like i think the ways that they could have done it was like okay find all the kids with single dads who work with their hands right that makes a lot more sense who are like in construction or like something yeah. like that because yeah in the grand scheme of things there's not a lot of kids with single dads that's unfortunately true <laughs> i feel like there would have been like five kids and then you just go from there that's rather true than like psychologically analyzing this child who's been yeah, in like a traumatic real. situation because everybody responds to trauma so differently dang bau or bunk baby this one's bunk yeah. <laughs> i also do have to point out that when they get to milwaukee and they meet the local detective Mm-hmm. He's like, hi, I'm Jeff Malinsky. And <laughs> Reed is like, oh, you worked on the Dahmer case, right? And he's like, yeah, and you bet I looked that shit up. And Jeff Malinsky did not work on the Dahmer case. That guy he was, doesn't exist. Absolutely does not exist. He was not the detective on the Dahmer case. John Belserzak was the detective on the Dahmer case. So miss me with that, Criminal Minds. I don't know who Jeff Malinsky is. <laughs> Interesting. That, it's kind of interesting, though, because like, okay, sorry, this is like my linguist brain. But no, like, no, they, please. They picked a four letter, like J name, like generic mm-hmm. J name. So John and Jeff, like those are mm-hmm. similar. And then like, Balserzak, I'm assuming that's like Eastern European. Sounds Polish. Eastern European, yeah. And Malinsky's like kind of like Polish also sounding as well. I was thinking so that. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they they like created that name to... I'm sure. I'm sure. They probably like couldn't use the actual guy's name. Just had to throw that in there because I yeah. thought it was really funny. And the guy definitely brings up the Dahmer case again when yep. they're like stumped <laughs> on the case. He's Back like, when Dahmer I was, was happening. I know. And he was like, I was in the apartment. Like I saw the apartment. And I was like, no, you didn't, Jeff Malinsky. Yeah. <laughs> Who the fuck are you, you imposter? <laughs> okay, so they deliver these two different profiles of quote-unquote troubled kids <laughs> that we have determined is bunk but <laughs> that's how they find the guy yeah that is how they find the guy he just they walk into the school they're like oh we came to give like another 
another profile like of a kid who's like an overachiever and then a teacher's like oh yeah this one kid he's down the hall and then they go to the teacher and she's like oh he just went to the nurse and uh the nurse is gone and the nurse took yeah, him first home of all, this kid just leaves campus yeah this nine-year-old nurse take me home absolutely not like on what planet no yeah, on what planet am I myself going to put this child that's not mine into my car and right. drive them home? In Milwaukee. Like, Milwaukee is a big enough city that that big would city. never happen. If it was, no. like, literally Montana or something, I don't... Yeah. <laughs> no, I get it, though. Like, some small towns, like, they are like that. Like, everyone yeah. knows each other. Yeah. But this is Milwaukee. The little creeper child is nowhere to be found when the nowhere BAU be gets found. there. So they, they go to his house... And knock on the door. Oh, and and side side note, I forgot to mention this part. So Hotch Hotch is on the phone, like calling into the case, like trying to help them. But his wife's getting all mad at him. She's like, oh, oh we need yeah, because he's supposed to be on leave, right? He's supposed to be on leave, and then he put in his resignation or like a transfer to like a mm. nine to five job so that he can have like a better family life. And so his he wife. can like be a dad and yep. a husband. <laughs> And his wife was all excited, but then he keeps calling Morgan and, like, trying to get information about the case. He has all, like, the bloody photos on his coffee table. Mm -hmm. His wife, Haley, is all upset. And he's like, I got, I have to go to Milwaukee to go help. He's using his kid, Haley. He's using his kid to lure these women. And she's like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) What about your kid? Yeah, for real. What about Jack? That's always the question. (laughs) So so Hotch eventually does go to Milwaukee, but on his way, he goes to Emily Prentice's house and is like, yo, dog, you need to join us because, like, the team needs you. And she's she's like, no, I can't. I already resigned. And then he's like, if you have your go bag ready, then you have to come with me. Then let's go. (laughs) And then it cuts, and then they're both somehow in Milwaukee Coming to save the day. Cut back to they're at the house of the killer. And the nurse is inside being tied up. And the child is sitting there watching like Roadrunner cartoons, I think. I don't. Yeah, super creepy. Yep. And then Prentice is like, okay, like I need to go in there because I'm a young, hot woman. Like, not in those words exactly, (laughs) but essentially. (laughs) I need to go in there because I'm a young, hot woman. Okay. (laughs) And he's one of the sexy killers. <laughs> and he's a sexy murderer, so it's my time to shine. <laughs> no, I love that the whole time they're totally doing this, like, basically illegal maneuver to get into this house. And Strauss, the section chief, Strauss is like, we literally can't do this, you guys. And they're like, fuck you, and just do it anyway. Yep, they do it anyway. Because Prentice is like, well, I don't... I'm just a civilian at this point. I can do whatever I want. I can knock on this person's door if I want to. Strauss is like, fuck, I can't argue with that. Like, Damn it, loophole found. <laughs> that was fast. <laughs> yeah, for real. It's almost like you guys find these loopholes all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, Prentice gets inside the house. She talks to the kid. The kid lets her in and locks the door behind her. Daddy says it's not safe to have the door unlocked. (laughs) Of course, Daddy the murderer says that. Yeah, for real. Creeper. (laughs) And then Prentice goes and, like, checks in her basement. The murderer sees her and, like, hits her over the head. And then... 
Prentice calls for help, like on her little pager, because this is 2007 and they still have those. <laughs> and I love the slow progression of Criminal Minds technology, yeah. just like very slowly getting better and better throughout the years. Let me pull out my my pager. Oh, I've got my PDA now. Oh, I've got my flip <laughs> me, phone. Got a beep potch real quick. This yeah. killer just knocked me out. <laughs> Then they arrest the guy and they take the kid away and things Dude, are- Dude, the guy gives the kid his gun. Yeah, oh yeah, That's the yeah. part that shook me. Literally, the BAU storms in and the dad goes to the kid, here, hold this. <laughs> and point it at whoever he pointed it at. And they're like, kid, you're not going to fucking shoot that gun. Like, And the kid totally was not going to shoot the gun. No, but no. the dad's like coaching him. He's like, just pull the trigger, son. It'll be okay. Bruh. The way that Hotch no. walks in, gun absolutely pointed straight at this child's head. Yeah. And he's like, drop the gun or I will shoot you in the head right now. It's like, oh my god. The BAU is so trigger happy. It's not a good look. Not it's a good look. not a good look. But then all is well. Prentice rejoins the team. Hotch goes home. His house is empty. His wife is Ooh. gone by Haley. And Jack is his name, his son? Jack, yeah. I don't know why I remember that so well. (laughs) It's probably because literally any episode having to do with Hotch, he says Jack Jack. like minimum 10 times (laughs) throughout the episode. (sighs) Damn, Haley and Jack, they done ditched him. They just pieced out of there. Honestly, I would. I don't blame her. Yeah. I mean, like, oh, it's just like, it was just, it's just annoying I understand hit I understand both perspectives, man. Yeah. Like not to I get, get all like divorce lawyer or not <laughs> divorce lawyer on people, but like she wants him to have a nine to five so he can stay home and be with his kid, but like he also wants to have a purpose in his job. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. want to hate his job and like just be doing the nine to five thing. Yeah, Haley, I can't go to white collar crime. Are you yeah. kidding me? <laughs> Ugh. Boring white collar crime. Sounds like a lot of paperwork to me. Yeah. I prefer just busting into people's houses semi-illegally. <laughs> Pointing guns at nine-year-olds. Yeah, exactly. Look eerily similar to my own son. To my child. <laughs> yeah. Then finally, the episode wraps up with Reed going to Jason Gideon's cabin, which also has been cleaned out. And there's a letter for Spencer. Uh, The handwriting on the letter is the most atrocious handwriting you will ever see. (laughs) It looks like it's written by none other than Hotch's five-year-old son. Jack. (laughs) Yeah, Jack. (laughs) The plot twist of the entire episode is that Jack Jack actually abducted Jason (laughs) Gideon. (laughs) Is Jack Hotchner the criminal mind? (laughs) Oh man, that would have been great. I wish the show would have continued into Jack like becoming a teenager and just becoming a serial killer. That That would have been been so good. (laughs) Spicy and dramatic. But yeah, Gideon just pieces the F out at the end of this. Yep. Gideon is no more. He's just, and he ends with some like corny quote where he's like talking to this random lady. Did you get enough to eat, hun? Yeah. Where are you headed now? Just traveling. No destination? That's a good question, Rose. That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) It's 
so dumb. <laughs> it was so corny. And then he drives off into the sunset saying something like, I just wish, I just want to go back to that belief I had back in college. That belief in happy endings. And that's like the final quote of the episode. So how do you think that that relates to the episode? What would you rate that quote from? I rate that quote a two out of 10. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. It's hella corny. It's a Jason Gideon quote. Like, it's not even, like, I'm pretty sure it's a quote from, like, the letter he leaves for Spencer or something like that. It's not even, like, a famous person quote. It doesn't really relate to the episode. It just relates to, like, Gideon leaving. Yeah. Which, like, I know that the actor, whose name I can't remember right now. Mandy Patinkin. Mandy Patinkin. Yeah, that he, like, left the show because he had, like, quote-unquote creative differences with the creators so i kind of feel like they were like dude how do you want to leave the show just you can leave however you want he's like make it as cheesy as i know he's like make it as i want a three episode arc where my girlfriend dies and then i just jack kerouac into nothingness like (laughs) i don't like it's very cheesy the team drama though i mean the drama with hotch and Haley is really funny it's <laughs> i feel bad saying funny but it's always hilarious between them because it's the same thing every time it's the like, it's same just, thing it's you're too dedicated like, to your job yeah what do you want but me to what be about a slacker, us? Haley? what about your family what yeah. about jack and then every Who time the Hotch, fucking bills Haley? for real for real <laughs> and every time hotch is just like okay okay i'll stay home and he's like and then he's we're morgan what's going on with the yeah. case <laughs> I love that in this episode, too, Morgan is basically straight up to Hotch. He's like, fuck your family. Like, the BAU is your family. We need you. I'm like, yep. what the, is this a cult? Like, <laughs> Honestly, Hotch has the biggest FOMO. Like, that's essentially <laughs> what it is. <laughs> For real. Okay, before we end this episode, I'm going to hit you with some more facts because this is our first Criminal Minds-based episode. Fact check. Is it BAU? Or is it bunk? I'm going to tell you right now, it's bunk as hell. (laughs) Basically, I want to talk about the BAU in Criminal Minds versus the BAU in real life. Because that is a big question I had watching this show. Like, I really did not know that much about the freaking actual BAU. Like, I know it's a real thing in the FBI. But you watch the show and these fools are like semi-illegally entering houses kicking down doors, going to crime scenes. They calling all got a tech strap specialist. on them at all time. Yes, baby calling girl. their technical analyst baby girl all the time. So <laughs> that's just how talking it... about Morgan right there. Yeah, for real, that was all Morgan. <laughs> all Morgan. But um, that's nothing like what it is in real life. So I wanted to lay down some facts here. So some things that are kind of accurate, the size of the real BAU team in the FBI is only like eight people. So the the size of the team and the fact that they always hype it up to be this like very elite team that's like hard to get onto. That is very true. People or officers that are currently on the BAU team are people who have been members of law enforcement for 10 plus years before they even join this team. And then they have to do an additional two years of training after they join the BAU. One part of that training is in the classroom. And then there's like a basically like a phase where you like shadow someone who already works at the BAU. So that is kind of accurate as far as the show goes. Um, But that's like basically 
it I mean the other thing that's accurate is that they do the real BAU does focus on helping local law enforcement with crimes that are out of the norm. So crimes that typical detectives, local detectives would not see such as serial murder, um, serial rape and child abduction, like cases like that, that are really not very common. So that is also something that is accurate about criminal minds, but surprise, surprise, the real BAU does not have a private jet, unfortunately. (laughs) Damn. Little history for you. The BAU was established in 1985. Um, It was established by the National Center for the Analysis of Violent Crime in the FBI's Behavioral Science Unit. And their continuing mission is, I quote, to consolidate investigative and operational support with research and training in order to provide assistance to local law enforcement. So like I said, they are called in by local law enforcement on these abnormal cases. And so all this information I got from an interview with an actual member of the BAU currently. And it was really funny. He directly called out Criminal Minds. Um, He was like specifically pissed about the fact that in Criminal Minds, the team comes in and kind of takes over the case. Like they work with the detective in the show, but they definitely kind of take over and like they're going to crime scenes and they're like interviewing suspects and stuff like that. And he, this guy whose name I can't remember right now because I'm a trash researcher, um, (laughs) said that that's not the case at all, that when the BAU is called into cases, they are solely there to assist local law enforcement and for research purposes. Like they are not there to take over the case whatsoever. It is never, they are never going to the crime scene. They are only looking at pictures and files and paperwork. They're never at the crime scene. They're hardly ever interviewing suspects of an active case. Yeah, that's like a big thing about the show. That's like totally inaccurate. They are never going to freaking crime scenes. They're solely in the office just like looking at pictures. They do deliver profiles to the local law enforcement to aid them with their investigation, but they're never really doing the investigating themselves the way that the BAU and Criminal Minds does. Which makes sense because it's called the Behavioral Analysis Unit. Like you're you're like the nerds. Exactly. They're nerds. They're researchers. The team, I imagine, basically consists of like a bunch of Spencers. Spencers, yeah. (laughs) It's just all Spencers. I'm just like imagining looking around that room with just Matthew Gray Goobler's face, just yeah, just five times, (laughs) just around the table, different hairstyles, different glasses. Yeah, (laughs) something else is interesting. Says that um, the unit, the real life BAU unit, has a crime analyst and a major case specialist that work alongside the researchers and investigators, and they, they work really closely with the FBI lab. Which is just something that's really interesting that I am surprised the show didn't do because so many crime shows like NCIS and even Hannibal, CIS, Law and Order, they're always talking to the lab. Like they're always with those lab assistants and that's how it is in real life with the actual BAU. And they also do contract outside psychiatric and psychological experts. Something else that was interesting that this guy said is that they have an outside board of scientific and academic experts that work with them to ensure that their research is valid and scientific valid and is also scientifically and academically accepted. So there's like an outside board that 
constantly make sure that they have the most current psychological and psychiatric information to work with, which is very interesting. Yeah, that's 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 basically it. That's real life. It's very much research focused. Something interesting that this agent said in the interview is that most recently, the BAU has been focusing on public corruption and white collar crime because those are crimes that need to be behaviorally researched. So they've been looking more into those types of crimes because now it's the there's just a lot more research on like serial offenders and child abductors and stuff like that. But as far as I quote public corruption, because I'm not really sure what that means. I would think like embezzling and like, because it says white white collar crime. So I said, yeah, they said, quote, public corruption corruption and white collar crimes have been kind of what the BAU has been focusing on in recent years. Yeah, less violent crime and more like monetary kind of stuff because that's like more corruption. Yeah, yeah. No, you're probably right. Which I mean, that does make sense. Because like I said, they are they're a research focused team. Yeah, focusing on the behavior of these criminals and these types of, you know, money crimes are not really focused on. Like, there's not a lot of research as far as, like, what type of people commit those crimes, right. typically. Because it's because it's not violent, so it's like there's less yeah. dire need to behaviorally analyze the people. I imagine it's a lot harder to behaviorally analyze, too, yeah. because you don't have, like, a really, like, a crime scene to work on or, like, yeah. a victim pool, which is super interesting. And I probably will look into that more just to see what their methods are, because that's very interesting to me. They are also currently working on splitting the BAU up into four different units. So this guy that um, did this interview was part of the BAU-2, which is basically like the main BAU as we know it. Um, I don't know what the units that they're splitting it up to are, but I imagine it's so they can focus on researching different types of Crimes. crimes. Yeah. So yeah, it's very research focused. They don't have a technical analyst. They are not going to be knocking on down people's <laughs> doors and shit like that. Um, but we love to watch it in Criminal Minds. Oh, hell yeah. Like, I mean, I, it would be so boring. It would just be watching a bunch of nerds, a bunch of Spencers all in one room. <laughs> like, I love Spencer. He's my favorite character. But I do like Derek Morgan because he's hot. I do like so. watching Derek Morgan <laughs> doors yep there's a criminal minds drinking game yep. and i definitely know that one of the rules is to drink every time Derek morgan kicks down the door all right well thanks for joining us cbs yeah. sexies that's our that is our first randomly generated criminal minds episode that we watched we will definitely be watching more yeah it definitely will not be our last thanks for checking us out and thank you for coming back after our hiatus If you want to keep up to date with all the happenings and what we're doing, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Psych Channel Pod. If you would like to send us your dreams to read on our next Dreamcast episode, you can email us at psychchannelpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on your preferred podcast platform, be it Spotify or Apple Podcast or Buzzsprout, literally wherever you listen to us. Leave us some good reviews. And as Eden said, send us your goddamn dreams. We're sick of saying it. Like, I don't think I forgot. Like, I did not forget. Like, no. We want your dreams. Keep dreaming and freaking send them to us, please. And thank you for tuning in.